This is the Motion Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information about Motion Church, you can always visit our website at motionchurch.com. If you'd like to contribute to what God is doing here at Motion, you can do that at motionchurch.com forward slash give. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, what's up, everybody? Hey, that wasn't too bad. Not too bad. You know what I was thinking about earlier? So we have, obviously, we have two experiences. We've got the 930 and the 11. I feel like we should create a competition between the two experiences. Because it it always goes back and forth, like, which one has more people, which one has more enthusiasm. Uh, This morning, the, the 930 had more people, but maybe, just maybe, the 11 will have more enthusiasm. That's right. Right? Or not. Okay, either way to be determined. Hey, so we're continuing a series this week called Measurements. We're actually wrapping up the series this week called Measurements. We'll start a new series next week. Uh, so kind of to give you some context, what we've been talking about are some metrics by which we can better understand the love that God has for us. Now, here, here's the kind of tricky part about that. We, we won't ever fully understand it, right? I think there are aspects, there are things in life that we'll never fully understand. We can understand better but I don't think we'll ever fully understand it. And as it relates to the love that God has for us, that's one of those things that I will never fully understand. It does not make sense to me, again, kind of the idea of of the perfect giving himself on behalf of me, the imperfect, the one who was not worthy, and Jesus who was worthy, willingly give himself up for me. That, That does not make sense. That does not compute in my head. Now, so... I don't fully understand it, but I can understand it better. And if I understand it better, I think it gives me some stability in my life. It gives me the ability to endure the things that that life brings, because life brings some things, right? And so once I understand God's love a little bit better, then it helps me to endure those things. And it also helps me to help other people with the things that they experience, right? Because y'all know what happens when we're in the middle of a mess. Like, man, the last thing we're thinking about is that there's a God that loves us and he's got a plan for our life. We're just concerned with the drama that we're going through, right? So if we can help other people get through that drama by redirecting, shifting their focus back to the God that loves them, that's helpful. Let's be helpful. And a lot of people are more interested in being not helpful. Let's be helpful. Okay, Ephesians. Okay, there's the enthusiasm. That's what we've been looking for. Okay, that's too much. That's, there's got to be a balance to all of this, right? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. Here, here are those measurements, those met- metrics that we're looking at. So it's, let me kind of give you some context. This is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, but within this prayer are some really cool, again, kind of these, these, these metrics that we're talking about that help us to quantify, to understand a little bit better the God that love, the love that God has for us. So it says this, For this reason, I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Everybody say rooted. Rooted. That was good. Being rooted and grounded in love. Lock that one in the vault. Got it? Lock it. Throw the key away. Actually, you need that because we're going to unlock it later. So being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. 
So what's so cool is, again, so we're talking about, like it says, the width, the length, the height, and the depth. Those are the measurements. Those are the metrics that we're looking at. And it says that we should know, or that he wants us to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge. And it's so cool, kind of, again, contained in that statement. Is it like, hey, you're never fully going to understand it, but I want you to know it a little bit better. I want you to understand the width and length and height and depth. So the first week we covered the width, and then we looked at the, the length. Last week, we talked about the height of God's love. And one of the, the ways that you could explain that would be as high as the heavens. It talks about how God's love for us is like that. And then this week, we're going to talk about the depth of God's love. In fact, the title for today's message is How Deep the Father's Love. Yes. Sounds like it should be a song. Somebody out there should, okay, that's already been done. In, in fact, that's where, that's foreshadowing for things to come. So, so we're going to give you let me kind of explain the way that today is going to work. What I'm going to give you is kind of like an idea, a thought. It's like a stool. You guys seen a three-legged stool? So what I'm going to give you first is like the chair that you would sit on, right? The seat for the stool. But then we're going to have three supporting ideas that support the seat for the stool. But again with that, I need a stool that would really help us to, to sell this. But I don't have a tripod stool. So here's the, the kind of the seat. We're going to talk about going deep on depth, going deep on depth. It's interesting because we've heard this idea, this, this phrase, it's pretty common in Christianity, like the depth of God's love, how deep the Father's love. We talk about it, it's, it's something that's familiar to us, again, probably popularized by, by song, but ironically, when we say how deep is God's love, there's, there's depth to that statement. There are things within that that are worth considering, investigating, diving into. So there are layers to this and we're gonna we couldn't possibly cover them all, but we're gonna hit a few. Like I said, we're gonna hit three of them. And some of these are the most profound things you will ever hear in your entire life. Is that a stretch? That's a stretch. So here's the first one. This is how profound it is. This is, this is life altering. Are you guys ready? Deep is the opposite of shallow. Wow. And some of you might even say, whoa, that's deep, right? So think about a swimming pool, for example, right? You've got the deep end and you've got the shallow end. So the shallow end is where the kids hang out generally, and the deep end is where the mature people hang out, where we go dive in and do idiotic things. Um, you know what's so sad, though, is like I think a lot of times in life and in Christianity specifically is that people are just, they spend all their time in the kiddie pool. They spend all their time in the shallow end and they don't really get into the deep end. As it relates to love, I think a lot of people spend all of their time in the shallow end and they don't get into the deep end. I think a lot of the, the expressions of love that we encounter in the world that we're, we're living in are shallow expressions of love, not deep expressions of love. It's, it's, so the, sh the shallow variety of love would be the you know, surface level, superficial, this for that. I love you as long as I'm receiving something from you. I'm getting out of you what it is that I want to get out of you. And I will love you and I will continue to love you as long as you're doing for me what I need you to do for me. And, and so often this shallow superficial love never thinks about reciprocity. It never thinks about actually giving back to the other person. It only thinks about taking. That's not love, right? We may label it love. We may call it love, but that's not love. And, and God's love is especially different than the shallow love that we see so often going on around us. God's love is deep. God's love is a, a love that gave to us when we had nothing to give in return. Do you want to know, if you want to know that somebody loves you, if they stick with you, if they stay with you, if they, they fight through things with you when you don't really have anything to offer to them in return, 
That's how you know that somebody loves you. Like, so Shelly and I, when we got married, we got married young. We, we tell everybody, don't do this. Like, we are an anomaly. We got married when we were 18 years old, right? We've been together since we were four, seems like, feels like, very long time. And so when we got married, like, y'all, we didn't have anything, like nothing. Like, it was just, we were living, the expression, living on love, bro, we were it. Like, we were living, we were living on love. And so Shelly is a vegetarian. I'm not a vegetarian, clearly. Um, right? I've got too much protein in my bones. Uh, not that protein gets in your bones, but you understand what I'm saying. So, so Shelly and I, we, we got married. Shelly's a, ve- a vegetarian. It's not that, and so for the first probably two years of our relationship, our marriage, I was a vegetarian, not by choice, but me was expensive and we couldn't afford it. So man, we ate like green beans and I just, you know, t- not listen, I don't know if you're living right, but you ever had, if you hadn't had chips with cheese on it, and you threw it in the microwave and you called it nachos, you ain't living. You, you don't, first off, you don't know what a struggle is until you live like that, until you do some things like that. Y'all think, y'all think ramen is something, do that, and then you find out what it's all about. Uh, so when, when we first got married, there wasn't much that we could give to each other outside of the love that we had for each other. So it developed some depth, all of that to say. And, and so God's love, here's what's so cool about God's love. God's love is so deep because he gave to us when he knew that we would never be capable of restitution. He knew that we would never be capable. Not only could we not repay him in the moment, we would never, ever be able to repay the debt that we had accumulated. So so we understand sin is debt, right? And so us being sinners accumulate debt and we accumulate a lifetime or lifetimes of debt. And so think about it like this, Matthew chapter 18, verses 23, through 27. I think it helps us to really understand, again, the depth of God's love. When you understand the, the height of our debt, we understand the depth of God's love. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Jesus is telling a story, he's, which he does so masterfully. In the story, God is the king, you and I are the servants. And so as the king, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. What are you doing that you run up that kind of debt? Like how in the world did you you run, like your credit, your risk gotta be tired from hitting that credit card so many times. And so he began the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now here's what's interesting. So 10,000 bags of gold, the Greek word that's used there is the word for talent. So a talent, was actually equivalent to 20 years of a day laborer's wages. 20 years of work and what you would receive, what you would accumulate based on your work. And so multiply that by 10,000. So 200,000 years worth of work was what the servant owed the king. Here's what we take away from that. It is a debt that you could never repay. Like in a lifetime with our life expectancies, you get what, men 78, women 82-ish, something like that. And it's always been fascinating to me that like, dudes, we just don't do a very good job. Like we can't keep up with the women because we do dumb things. You see all the videos sometimes like, why men don't live as long as women? And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. So, so you get a lifetime, let's say 75 or 80 years, 200,000 years worth of debt, you're never gonna repay that in 75 or 80 years. And so let's finish the story. So. It says, since he was not able to pay, of course, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, 
and I will pay everything, I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, he knew, the master knew in the story, the king knew in the story, when the guy was begging and saying that he was going to pay him back in full, that there was no way that he could pay him back in full. But he had mercy on him. He extended grace to him. He canceled the debt knowing that he couldn't ever repay it in the first place. And that's what the, the love of God looks like to us. Like we, we accumulated a debt that we could never repay. So Jesus did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He canceled that debt. He extended his mercy to us. And that is a love that's deep when you understand that we don't really have much to offer and he loved us anyway. I think that's why there's a different word that was used to describe love in the New Testament for God's love. And so if you're kind of familiar with, with the, the different uses of, of the word love in the New Testament, there were three words that were primarily used to express love in the New Testament. The first one is eros, which is kind of the intimate love, like, for example, between a husband and a wife. The second one is philea, which is like Philadelphia, for example, the city of brotherly love, which is a joke. All right. If you've ever watched any Philadelphia sports activities, there is no love taking place in Philadelphia. It is a city of brotherly hate is what it is. Um, I'm just kidding. Go, go Cowboys. Anyway, uh, so philea is, is the brotherly love, right? It's the love that you and I would have for each other, the love that we would have for, you know, let's say kind of like family type you know, relationships. And then the third one is agape, which is the word that's used to describe God's love. And it is defined as the covenant love of God for humans. Now, the covenant love of God, of course, we understand kind of the New Testament brings in a new covenant and is the covenant by which we are saved because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? That is the covenant. And if you need to understand more fully what, the, what deep love looks like, you don't have to look any further than what Jesus was willing to do on the cross for our sins, shed his blood for us. That is deep love. And so my point in all of this, like we're not going to get too far into the woods on this, but my point in all of this is that I just don't ever want us to confuse God's love with some of the expressions of love that we experience and we encounter in the world around us. Whereas love in our world may be conditional, God's love is never conditional. Whereas love in our world may be circumstantial, God's love is never circumstantial. Like we talked about last week, it transcends circumstances. God's love is not exhaustible. Whereas I think a lot of times the relationships that we experience, we just grow tired and we kind of wear people out and then they're done with us because they've had enough of us. God, God's love is inexhaustible. It's like a deep fountain that never, ever runs dry. And that's a good place to be, right? Because I don't know, I don't know about you, but I know me well enough to know that I have got to grind God's gears. And he still, he keeps on loving me. And that's, that's a good place to be. So that's the first point. Again, kind of this ridiculously profound idea. Deep is the opposite of shallow. Is that the most profound thing you've ever heard? I'm just kidding. I thought that was, I thought it was so, again, so obvious. Uh, but I think we, we tend to conflate, we mix up what we think love is. Because we say we love everything. Like you say you love that Mexican food that you had. Uh, well, that Mexican food is gone. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, and so sometimes I think we treat relationships with that same flippant idea, right? Same flippant kind of, you know, care and concern. So. Deep is, is, is opposite of shallow. Second point, deep is low. Somebody say low. You gotta drop your voice as many octaves as possible and be like, deep is low. Thank you. I got one of you participating. That's all I need. Listen, I can live on, I can live on one compliment for six months 
and I can preach for three hours with one participant. That's all I'm, I'm just kidding. So, so another aspect of something being deep is, is that it essentially kind of it makes sense in our heads to understand that if it's deep, it's as low as it can go. And when I think about deep and I think about low, one of the things that comes to mind is the, the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean. How many of you have, have kind of looked into that? So here's what's funny. Shelly, for whatever reason, has this unfounded, unreasonable phobia of submarines. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, she is terrified. She has nightmares about submarines. And I'm just like, I want to go on one. Well, I did before this last in- event encounter, right? But uh, generally speaking, I would, I would like, I think it would be super cool. Shelly's like, ain't no way. Nope, not happening. Mm-mm, no, sir, no way. Right. So, you know, kind of, again, thinking about the Mariana Trench and the depth of it, it's just, as you know, it's it's one of the it's the deepest known oceanic trench in the world. The maximum depth depth is is just a little over the maximum known depth is just a little over thirty six thousand feet below sea level. That is nuts. Right. Of a mile is what? Five thousand two hundred eighty feet. So seven miles ish somewhere in that vicinity deep. And, and, you know, if you've seen Finding Nemo, you know that there are some creatures down there, right? There are some things down there that we ain't ever seen. So, so here's what's cool. So we, we think in terms of feet so often when we think in terms of measurement. But one of the measurements that they use nautically is the, the measurement of fathoms, right? And so a fathom, so it's, it's an older measurement before they had, you know, modern technology, tape measures, and all of those sorts of things. So you had a, a large man, and he would extend his arms. And so from fingertip all the way to fingertip was about six feet. And so they would call that a fathom. And so Mariana's Trench at its deepest place is a little over 6,000 fathoms, 6,000 fathoms deep. And so it's the deepest place that we know of. And it just kind of reminds me, thinking in terms of that measurement and Mariana's Trenches or Mariana Trenches 6,000 fathoms deep, God's love is, is even deeper than that, so much so that you would probably say that God's love is unfathomable, right? We, we can't fully understand it. We can't fully grasp the depth of his love. And that, that one that was so high was willing to come so low on our behalf. One, like we forget, I think we forget that, that Jesus left his place in heaven by the king of kings. He is the king of kings, right? He left his place. He sacrificed his place in heaven and came to the earth on our behalf and, and took on the weight, the cares, the concerns, the shame of the sins of the world. And so one that was so high that was willing to, to come so low on our behalf, it blows my mind, right? It's one of those things that is unfathomable. Now, one of the things that I think that we do this is that we, we don't tend to associate like Jesus. For this, we create this weird uh, unrealistic kind of dynamic where we think that we're equals with Jesus. We do this whole Jesus is my homeboy thing. Uh, Jesus is not your homeboy. Uh, Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, which means that he is and you are not, right? That he is the creator and we are the created, that he is the master and we are the servants. Go back to the story. He's the king. And if he's the king, you ain't the king. Right. And we use this language in our world where everybody's a king. And I'm like, no, that's not how this works. If everybody's a king, ain't nobody a king. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Jesus is the king. And so one that was so high being willing to come so low is such a terrific demonstra- demonstration of what deep love looks like. I saw a definition of deep love that I thought was really, really fitting. And it says this, this is just, again, somebody's, somebody else's expression or definition of deep love. And it says deep love is seeing someone at their most vulnerable 
often lowest point and reaching out your hand to help them get back up. And if, if that's deep love, if that is the definition of deep, deep love, then, then Jesus is the, the, the best possible embodiment of what deep love is. Listen to this, Psalm 18, verse 35, it says this, you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. Like, like God stooped down because he had to stoop down because, because he is above us. He is not with us, right? He is higher than we are, and yet he was willing to come down to stoop down to make us great. I think about another story involving Jesus where you kind of see this deep love on full display. It's John chapter 8, verses 3 through 6. One of my favorite stories because it's scandalous. It's like this is one of those made-for-TV stories but it probably it would not be allowed because, again, it's scandalous. So this is what it says. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in the act of adultery. Um, when I read that, I'm like, I have a very visual, like, interpretation of things. Um, I'm like, oh, this woman caught in, like, did they pull her out the bedroom, brought her out here? She, she Maybe she pulled, like, you know, they didn't have down comforters that she could drag out of the bedroom with her. So I imagine this is a very scandalous situation that they found themselves. And I also think about when I read that, it's like uh, teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Where's the dude? Anyway, so this is what it says. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, and how embarrassing, right? They made her stand before the group. And so it, it kind of embarrassing, public shaming. And so they stood before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So there, there is a circus going on in front of Jesus. Like, can you imagine the chaos and the drama of everything that's going on? And y'all know how we do, like we rubberneck hard. When we see something going on, everybody's like, Whoa. And, and then, of course, you know, like, well, I, you know, I, I got to go see what's going on. I can't not know. So, so I, just in case they need my help, right, I'm going to go over here and check it out just in case I can be of some assistance to, to them. And the reality is you just want to know what's going on. And so human nature, everybody's crowding and surrounding, and they're, they're asking Jesus, hey, what are we supposed to do with this woman that was caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus didn't say a word. It says that he bent down and he took his finger and he started writing in the dirt and so so what's so cool about this story is like some scholars believe like nobody knows for sure what jesus was writing some scholars believe that he was writing down the sins of the people who were accusing the woman and so that's why it says that he of you who is without sin cast the first stone and it says one by one from oldest to youngest they dropped their rocks and they kicked rocks down the street. And so what, what a fantastic demonstration of a God who was willing to go low, right? To show us, to make sure that we know that his love is deep. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, it says this, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men. Now, I don't know if you know this, but going, going from being in the likeness of God to being in the likeness of men is a downgrade, right? I think being God is better than being a man, but Jesus was willing to, to give up 
temporarily, not forsaking his divine nature, but taking on the form of, of man. It says this, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, another way of saying, lowered himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. So deep is low. And again, I think Jesus coming low where we are so that, that this is what's so fascinating. One of the things that I love the most about God is like, we cannot say that God doesn't understand us because he's, he's gone through everything that we've gone, to, gone through. He's experienced all of the things that we've experienced. He understands our emotion. We can never say that God doesn't understand because let's be honest, Jesus suffered more than most of us will ever suffer. God understands fully fully understands because he was willing to come low on our behalf. So deep is low. Last point. Y'all ready? We're going to try that again. Last point. Are you guys ready? All right. Y'all have never been so excited. Last point. So we've got, we've got deep is the opposite of shallow. Deep is low. And then the last point is this deep like roots. If you're from East Texas, you don't say roots. You say roots. I don't know. Does anybody actually say that? Okay. Well, maybe we should bring it back. So, so we understand, like we understand that trees and plants, they have root systems, right? We understand that, that these roots provide, of course, the necessary nutrients for survival and, and not even just survival, but how well they do if they, they get to the place of thriving. A lot of that depends on the depth of the root system. The greater the depth, the more stability it provides. And to me, that is such a terrific picture of, of what God's deep love provides for us. God's deep love provides for us kind of this, this foundation on which we can build our lives. It gives us, because it's so deep and unwavering, it gives us this firm foundation to build our lives on. I think why, that's why in Ephesians chapter 3, right before it talks about the width, the height, the depth, and the length of God's love, it says to be rooted and grounded in love. To be rooted and grounded in love. So, so I was reading about root systems because that's what every casual nerd does. And I like trees a lot. Um, so here we go. Rooting, this is what it says. Rooting depth, root depth, affects ecosystem resilience to environmental stress such as drought. Everybody got that? So root depth, it affects the, the ecosystem resilience. In other words, you are more resilient to externalities if you've got deeper roots. And so, for example, drought would be one of those. And then it, all, it goes on to say, deep roots connect deep soil and groundwater to the atmosphere, thus influencing the hydrologic cycle and climate. So, so here's the deal. The deeper the roots go, this is what happens. You, you, you get into, you tap into a better source of nutrients. It, it's not as volatile. It's not as flaky. And man, when you talk about relationships, like let, let's get into some of that. Like I want relationships, I want friendships, I want, want these, these phileo, phileia loves that are not flaky, that are consistent, that are steady, that are steadfast, that, that you don't just hang out with me for what you can get from, from me and I don't just hang out with you for what I can get from, from you. It's like this, again, this reciprocity that takes place. And so when I think about kind of the deep root system and what it provides, when we make that, that deep root system our source, then what happens is, is like we have the nutrients that are necessary to, again, it kind of helps us to endure and be resilient in spite of whatever hardships that life may bring. Psalm chapter one, verse three, it says this. It says, he will be like a tree planted by streams of water. 
And again, kind of the expression that's used there, it's not like just a tree that's found by a, a stream of water. It is a tree that is planted, that is sending its roots down deep into the earth, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. So, so this is the goal for us as followers of Jesus is like, we understand that God's love for us is deep. And so what we wanna do in response to that is, is we wanna send our roots down deep and tap into his love, which is the source. And once that happens, it gives us the ability, it gives us the resilience to withstand whatever hardships life may throw at us, but it's not just about us. It then gives us the ability to withstand not only our hardships, but we can actually stand with other people in their hardships. Can I nerd out for just a minute? Everybody good with this? I promise I'll be quick. So I was watching a documentary the other day because that's what sane, rational people do. Um, a lot of y'all watch movies and series and stuff. I'm like, give me a documentary. Like, I want something nerdy. Let's go. Um, so I was watching a documentary the other day about cypress trees in the bayou because that's exciting, right? And so here's what's so cool. So the cypress trees in the bayou, they don't, their, their root system, it, it doesn't go super, super deep. But what it does is not only does it go down enough to sustain it, but then it also goes out, like way out so far out that all of these trees root systems start to entangle and intertwine with each other and so what happens is like when hurricanes come into these bayous which they do pretty frequently and so these these high you know whatever gale force winds come you know 80 90 100 120 mile an hour winds come these trees don't get affected because they're all linked together. Their root systems sustain them because they're all connected and tied together. And I was like, man, if that's not a picture of what the church should look like, I don't know what is, right? And, and here's what's so cool. It's like some of those trees probably have deeper root systems than other, and that's awesome. And, and I hope that there are those of you here that have those deep root systems, and maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you're just starting to figure this thing out, and maybe you don't have a deep root system yet. And so what I say is like that we lock arms together, that we intertwine our roots. And so whatever you go through, I go through, and we can stand and we can endure and we can face with resilience any hardships that life may bring. All made possible, sponsored by, all made possible by the deep love that Jesus has for us, right? Let's not get any of this mistaken. Our, we know what love is because he first loved us, because he demonstrated his love to us and for us. That's how we even know what it is. And so as a response to God's deep love for us, man, let's, let's love each other, not with the shallow love that we see so often in the world around us, but with a love that is deep, with a love that is resilient, that a love that doesn't just take, but a love that also contributes and gives. Amen. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer for us and then a band is going to come back up and we're going to sing in closing about how deep the father's love is. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for a love that, that is really deeper than, than our ability to comprehend. God, I'll never fully understand why you would do what you did on our behalf. But I am so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for a God who, even though he, he was greater than us, he's higher than us, he was willing to come low on our behalf. Thank you for a God that, that was willing to demonstrate to us what love is by, by dying on the cross 
for us while we were still sinners. While we had nothing to offer, we could pay nothing in return, we could never repay what has been done for us. Thank you for loving us with a love that's deep like that. We're so thankful. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.